0: If you'd read with me this text, again from Matthew, the 21st chapter. We read these words, starting with verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they ask. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question and if you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. Now here's the question. Verse 25. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or did it have merely a human origin? Now notice this provoked the ones who are in charge and thought they would be asking the questions to sort of conference among themselves, realizing they had great vulnerability here. Here's what they're discussing. They discussed among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, then he will ask. Why didn't you believe in him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they hold John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, a certain kind of nerve and cowardice in one sense that they so boldly speak this way, but a a lack of courage on the other, nerve, but not really courage. They just say, "We, we don't know. Is it they don't know? Is it they can't say? Is it they won't say? But Jesus answers them, neither will I tell you what authority by which I'm doing these things. And it would have been bad enough to end there. One of about five or so kind of conflicts with the uh, authorities that are being jammed into these next several passages. Would it be enough there that they lost this contest and they had egg on their face and they were humiliated? They demonstrated that they didn't really have a kind of an authority. And the person who spoke from his heart actually rang true and seemed to resonate with God and and, and seemed to be in step with him. But they seemed to be out of step and out of focus. And now they look pitiful and shameful. And if it would have ended there, it would be bad enough. But Jesus follows up with this story. Verse 28, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, the son answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son, the other child, the text literally says, I think, and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Now, Jesus reasons this way, which of the two did what his father wanted? Which executed the will of the father? The first they answered, and Jesus said to them, perhaps reflecting on John the Baptist, and maybe that's in mine. Truly, I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Jesus speaks with the genuine authority. And so did John the Baptist. And Jesus went there because not just uh, it would put them in an awkward predicament, but because it was sort of special in terms of what was going on in the world and the way God was rolling out the new initiative in Jesus. John the Baptist saw himself in these certain terms. You can't miss it. Those of you who go to Sunday school remember the way he was dressed and what he ate and so on and where he hung out. And there's an unmistakable sort of echo to Elijah, the prophet. And Elijah was this great prophet when Israel had abandoned faith in God and had suffered apostasy and rebelled and abandoned God. And there was a prophet, though, that called them back and called them to identity. John the Baptist also echoes passages from Isaiah And passages from Malachi, he sees himself as the one who will go before this great Messiah who is coming to to announce the way, to announce the kingdom. And part of what that means in the ministry of John the Baptist is that he would call together and, and suggest that while they were spiritually dead and they had forfeited their place before God by their terrible disobedience, that God would still do his great work, and God would bring this great purpose. And he would call a people to repentance, and they would leave their lives of abandonment, and they would come and rally behind God's purpose, be a part of the new kingdom that was being initiated, and John gathered this people and baptized them as a sign of forgiveness. This must have caused a lot of confusion. It seems to short-circuit the folks back there that operate the temple, but John didn't seem to need their permission. He acted with authority. He was announcing the kingdom of God, and the idea is this. The kingdom of God is coming. God's new initiative is here. The, The forerunner is here, and yet I'm playing that role, and I am announcing the one who will come after me. And you can gather yourself as a people and be constituted as the new people of God and God can bring you in and restore you and ready you, forgive you, and ready you you to be his people again. And they would have none of it. It was out of their uh, sort of scope and out of their routine. It disturbed their sense of power and their sense of control. They were the ones who had, by the way, all the legal credentials and they had the long tenure of service. They had all these things going for them and the whole thing just seemed offensive to have this upstart come from nowhere. And they could not appreciate and could not discern God's voice and if they did, they were even more guilty. And so Jesus zings them on authority, and then Jesus brings things even further with this story about the two sons. There are the good boys and good girls who do things right and say, yes, yes, I'll do that. They seem compliant at every turn, and then at crucial moments, they seem to falter. Then there are bad boys and bad girls, and they do the worst kind of reckless rebellion and defiance of God and go their own way. But in the parable's idea, this wayward child, this wayward son, repents. His heart and mind are changed. And he goes and does what the father said. And the brutal reality of the story is there before Jesus' opponents. They know for sure who the one is that's faithful to do God's purpose. Rabbis uh, discuss this um, kind of question. Um, There's a conversation or two that's captured. Uh, Some would suggest that if we're the child of God, we're the child of God. There's just not anything that's ever going to interrupt that. And there's others who suggest that, no, you can forfeit your status as a child. And if you don't comply and follow and show respect for your, for your father and your mother, if you don't show uh, respect for, for, for God, if you, if you don't show some sense of appreciation, no sense of obedience, no shared sense of shared sort of uh, investment in vision, then frankly, you're just not a child anymore. And Jesus' teaching seems to correspond with the last of those. He suggests that these uh, folks with authority, folks with a fine religious pedigree, folks that want to look and be appropriate and and be fitting and, and respectable. Wow, can it be? that they could disqualify themselves because they just can't get this idea that God wants to gather the broken and the rebellions of this world and bring them back to himself. And strangely, these religious folk are on the outside looking in. They're the folks who said, yes, yes, but when God acts, they just say, no, no, not that. And strangely enough, in the the preaching of both John the Baptist and also in the preaching of Jesus, it's the folks that are rowdy and disqualified who seem not to have a religious leg to stand on, who come and hear Jesus. There's a Zacchaeus who's never thought anybody could ever put him back into commission. There's again and again these folks who are on the outside looking in, but they hear about Jesus and they come to Jesus and they embrace faith. and everybody ought to be happy, but not everybody's happy. Now, I'm here to celebrate faith and the goodness of God, and I'm grateful for it, but it does occur to me that I'm a person with religious pedigree. I have an office, and I have a degree. I've served churches. There are even some people that think I've behaved. My wife is here today, she knows better, but there's a lot of people think I generally behave. Most people would score me with the respectable, decent folk in the world, never robbed the convenience store or done the drugs and was a pretty good kid I cared about what my dad and my mother might think I sort of cared about what God would think even back then I was mostly sometimes just scared more scared than anything else but that's not bad medicine really I'm trying to say I didn't get way out of line I don't have the rap sheet that the tax collector and the Prostitute have. And such a story sort of worries me. Will I sort of count one day on my good behavior? Hope sort of God grades on the curve? It could be easy for me to say, let's just grade on the basis of a long-term steady behavior. But it would not do, right? But it would not do, not even for some straight and narrow folks like me. I not only didn't inhale, I didn't take it in the first place. And uh, the truth is this, I was a good kid and I played it pretty straight and so on along the way. But I just want to tell you, I know enough about myself and I know enough about what goes on deep in my heart. And I know my spirit towards God and I know how I can reject him. And, and I know I can see him at work and say, please not now, God, not me. What, what is going on here? I, I want to know. I want you to know I've got that in my heart. And maybe I didn't do the worst of things. Maybe I was faithful at part. Sometimes maybe I was just scared. I was cowardness, had cowardness. Wasn't a courage of my conviction sometimes. I just didn't know what to do or how to. But I want to tell you, even with my good instincts that have, and good upbringing that have helped me in so many, so many, so many ways, I know in me in the depth of my heart somebody who knows and hopes with all of my being it's like jesus says it's like this folks who've said no folks who've wandered astray folks who forfeited their first chance at obedience right folks who went their own way uh, folks who have uh, disqualified themselves, folks who have got rowdy and done done things they're not uh, they're not proud of and and done things they ought to be ashamed of, folks who have really, 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 really said no to God with sort of a high-handed defiance. I'm so glad Jesus teaches it this way, that God can take those folk and announce His Kingdom and his purpose of restoring the world and restoring the lives of his broken people, even these sinful, rebellious people, God welcomes home in Jesus Christ. Wow. I need that. And uh, just because I think I might be a, a head on. Uh, Points, or maybe most folks don't see the, the wrongdoing I've done. And maybe I look like I have credentials and so on. I don't, I don't tell you, I don't wanna ever stand on credentials. I, I don't really have any hope for me with credentials. I, I know down deep within me, the spirit of rebellion against God and I just wanna say, I know the only hope I have is that Jesus got, has got it right and that this God can take the wayward child who said no and bring him back home. So who's in step with God? Who's got authority? It ends up being the people who can see the grace of God spilling out and going places that, frankly, we would never necessarily predict. And some of the most unlikely of people taking this word from God and seizing on with it with their very being and not feeling disqualified anymore, but being welcomed into the, the kingdom of God. And Jesus had this effect on people. And I just want to tell you, that's got to be the rhythm of who we are in our faith. That's got to be the rhythm of who we are in our personal lives. That's got to be the rhythm of who we are in our church. And the vision that God can restore the broken people of the world is the vision that you need as a people going forward. Following your new leadership and your pastors, you find your way and seeing the world around you. This must be the thing that gives us joy and gives us satisfaction And we know we belong to the Father, not because we've stood here and checked the boxes along the way, but we have captured the heart of God to look and see the mercy of God at work, transforming people who have said no and no and no. And yet when the kingdom word gets loose on them, they see a hope of life they've never known and never seen and they cling to Jesus Christ and he remakes them and he redeems and forgives them and restores them and begins the journey of life and flourishing and service. And I just wanna say to you, I need it so desperately to be the way Jesus said. I wanna ask you ponder this, that an old preacher, he was a preacher in Syria, isn't that interesting, up until about the 400s, and then in Constantinople, and this famous preacher, Chrysostom, they call him, the golden mouth preacher, he says it this way, it is an evil thing not at first to choose the Good. But it is worse not even to change afterwards. And so his punchline is, let no man of them that live in vice despair. And let no man who lives in virtue slumber. The kingdom is come and we must all, all be ready to take joy in what God is doing. No despair. No despair. That gets hard for a season like this, doesn't it? But no despair. Are you, are you happy with uh, uh, the way people around you are behaving? Are you, are you happy with the world? Are you, or don't you sense its brokenness? But no despair. No despair. The gospel says we serve a God who can take the broken and wayward and bring them into the kingdom and restore them no despair in our lives. There's no one here who has suffered a wrongdoing that disqualifies them from the kingdom participation. And I'm here to tell you, don't despair. And I'm here to tell you, don't slumber. Don't be be occupied with what we're doing and, and what's going on to miss the greatness and goodness of God. No despair, no slumber. There were two sons, and one said, you've got to be kidding. No way! I'm not doing that! And then later, his heart changes. His mind is opened, and he goes to serve the Father. And some are saying, oh yeah. We're in. We've always been in. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord. We've grown accustomed to it. But when God acts, we can't be there to be counted. And Jesus leaves us with the haunting question. Now, which one, which one does the will of God?